This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and tonight's show is going to be a little bit different. It's kind of a little pop-up podcast. We had an awesome interview with Dr. Barbie Honeycutt uh, about the flipped classroom and different ways for you to use it and what flipped classroom actually really means. So I'm excited about sharing that with you. Um, We'll be back with our normal show next week with Christy. We had a little extended break, which is awesome. I know teachers especially are deserving of a little bit extra break, so I know... um, For sure, Christy was excited about that. And I would like to mention before we go into that interview that uh, we did do our first book giveaway, and congratulations to Samantha Smith. She won, and the book is on the way. She's getting that 40 Ways to Inject Creativity with Adobe Spark. That's one of Monica Burns' books that we gave out after we did our interview with her, so I'm super excited about that. A lot of you reacted on Twitter and gave us some really cool EdTech tools and ways that you use them in the classroom, so I look forward to incorporating those in the show as well. And um, so for tonight's show, yeah, like I mentioned, we have Dr. Barbie Honeycutt, and she is definitely an expert on the flipped classroom. And it's something that I think a lot of us have misconceptions about. And we just kind of naturally assume that flipping the classroom means, hey, we're just going to put our lecture online and then do other stuff in the class. And she's got a lot of different and cool ideas. And we are super happy to have her joining us on the show. Barbie, welcome to the show. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. Well, yeah, here at EdTech Weekly, we really strive to give practical, useful information and tips to our listeners. And in this segment, especially, we do that. So we really, I saw a webinar that you gave and you had some really awesome tips for the flipped classroom. And I know that in our industry, a lot of times we feel like a lot of people already know about these things, but I continually find, even myself, I hear about things that have been around for a while and I don't know. So if someone's never done flip classroom or has never even heard of it can you just give us a short a short explanation of what a flip classroom is sure so first things first is there are a lot of different definitions and interpretations out there and i think that's part of the confusion um so some faculty come in and they think that the flip classroom is all about recording videos of all of your lectures and putting them online And then students magically watch all of those lectures, come to class, and they're ready to participate. And unfortunately, somewhere along the way, that's the way the flipped classroom sort of was conceptualized. And that's not at all what it should be. And so just using the word flipped sometimes can be um, a negative uh, because faculty and educators come in with this preconceived idea of what it is. And that model does not work. You cannot put all of your lectures online and expect your students to watch all of those lectures outside of class and then come to class prepared to participate. Um, And so there's there's other interpretations such as where you switch your um, what you would normally do during class, you move outside of class and what you would normally have outside of class comes in class. So it's almost like reversing the homework. Um, So I've seen that model quite a bit. Um, so that you're sort of minimizing some of the lecturing and doing more of that hands-on active experiential learning. And um, that one that one can work well. Um, but for me, I conceptualize it in a, in a more broader way. So for me, the FLIP is actually an acronym. Um, and it means to focus on your learners by involving them in the process. And so for me, it's about There's room for lecturing, there's room for reading, there's room for all of those things that we traditionally do in the classroom, but we're coming at it with more of uh, an intentional design where you're really taking that time in the classroom with your students to create a space that's more collaborative, engaging, interactive, and you're really trying to apply sort of those higher level critical thinking skills in the classroom space. 
So I'll pause there and see if there's any questions. Yeah, no, I love that explanation. I think one of the frustrating parts as an instructional designer is that automatic assumption, even when you take a class online for just an online course, not even specifically talking about a flipped classroom, that people just say, oh, we'll just put our lecture online. I'm like, well, no, there's a lot of better ways that we can, uh, you know, get content out to students. And I think what how you describe that for the classroom is perfect. You're just trying to switch the roles there where you're you're maybe giving content in some ways or a lot of other options like you mentioned, and then actually being more interactive in the classroom with the students, which I think is exactly what we need when we talk about the science of learning. And that's exactly what we should be doing. Exactly. And, you know, I've just been really amazed, you know, so I've been doing this work, I've been doing faculty development for the last 18 years, but I've been really focused in on this flipped model um, for the last maybe eight to 10 years. And, you know, it all got its roots in what's called inverted instruction, which a lot of faculty don't know. It was actually published in an economics journal back in the maybe late 80s, early 90s. And they were actually, you know, the Internet was just starting and they were talking about recording videos on VHS tapes. So it's a it's a cool article um, that I'm happy to put in your notes or references. Um, And that's sort of where it started but it seems like it's taken on this whole new um, concept over the last few years. And I'm just really surprised how many faculty are pushing back on the use of the word flipped. And I think it's just because it's it's because they're misinterpreting what the definition means. So I think that's one of the biggest hurdles is just trying to clarify what do you mean when you say flipped classroom? Yeah, the negative interpretations coming into it. A lot of times you have to try to figure out a way to get around those. But you mentioned in there and I thought it was funny because you said, you know, just because you put it online, they're, they're not going to watch it all. And so one of the issues that there is with a flipped classroom is trying to figure out a way to make students participate in that process. And I've heard a lot of people that have given like quizzes and some of them find that even the students aren't interested in taking multiple choice quizzes. Do you, Have you seen any ways that work well? Is it just a class by class method or do you have suggestions for people looking for ways to actually make sure they're involved in that flip part of the process? So it's a great question. The number one question I get is how do you get students to actually do the pre-class work and come to class prepared? That's the number one question, no matter who I'm talking to. Um, so I wrote a free white paper that um, we can link up in your show notes or put anywhere. Um, it's right on my website. It gives you 10 free strategies to get students to come to class prepared. Um, and I'll just mention one of those here. Um, one of those is that your pre-class work and your in-class work have to connect to each other. So you have to make sure that what students are doing as part of their pre-class work is seen as valuable. Um, So just asking them to say, read something, and then you come to class and you either, you know, you do a lecture on that reading, or you maybe do an activity on that reading, Um, whatever it is, they need to connect together and your students have to see the purpose of why they did that reading or watch that video. Um, And I think a lot of times there's some disconnect there um, and we just assume students have read or done the pre-class work or watched a video and then we come to class and we do what we do. Um, But you have to be really intentional about that and making it valuable. And for some faculty, it works really well to do it as a, a quiz, you know, that can be automatically graded through their learning management system. Um, for other faculty, uh, they do things at the beginning of class. I call these focusing activities, um, where right when students come to class, they're immediately doing something with the material that was part of their pre-class work. So that could be a, a clicker question. It could be an in-class quiz. It could be immediately working on group work together. I mean, there's so many ways to do it. Right. And it sounds like that 
at the end of the day, what you're looking to do is make sure those connections are there because all students in a very short period of time, I go back to my college life and I remember very quickly the professors who I knew I didn't have to read the textbook for because it wasn't even involved in the process and we wouldn't even buy them once we got that idea. So students aren't going to buy into doing any content outside the classroom if it's not incorporated in the classroom and it's not useful. So I think those connections are so important. And like you said, if you're connecting it, there's various ways to do it, but the most important part, it sounds like, is connecting it. Absolutely. So you have to be really intentional about your design, you know, really looking at your learning outcomes that, you know, are related to before class activities and assignments and, and what you're doing in the class. So those things have to go together. Um, and that's where it really helps students see the value of the pre-class work and come to class ready to engage and participate or ask questions or whatever it is. Um, and so, uh, so I guess that would be one piece of advice that I could offer. Um, but I have nine more strategies out there um, that, you know, one of those is really interesting. <clears throat> um, some mentors of mine wrote an article many years ago about student resistance and hesitance to active learning and flipped environments. And they actually talked about students going through the stages similar to the stages of grief, um, where at first they're sort of shocked. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe that you're doing this. I can't believe that, you know, you're putting us in charge of the learning and the space. And then they move into a place where it's more like um, uh, they're sort of retreating and they want to isolate themselves. And they may say, you know what, what if I can just do this group work on my own? What if I just do it and not have to do it, do it with my group members? And then eventually you want to move them to a place of acceptance where they see the value of the pre-class work and they see the value of the in-class work. And so that's a really interesting article and study um, that, again, I'm happy to share with your readers. Uh, it's just showing yeah. the other side of what students are going through. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, put all those links in the show notes for you. I appreciate giving those 10 tips out as well, and we'll link to your website. So I do have one more question for you before we head out on this thing, and that's if someone has never done this before and maybe they're hesitant because of the idea of I don't want to just put my lectures online, is there an easy um, you know, one step or one assignment or something that you found that is easy to incorporate first for teachers to kind of get their feet wet in this process? Yeah, so here's what I think. Um, I have uh, always talked about something called flippable moments. So I do not think that you need to flip every single lecture, every single class, every module. It's just too much. Your students are going to burn out, you're going to burn out, and it's just overwhelming. So what I say is you start by looking at your um, course, or you can drill it down and look at a particular module or lesson, and then you focus on looking for flippable moments. And the three flippable moments that I promote are, number one, look for confusion. So where are your students confused? Where are they not getting it? Um, Where are the test scores dropping or the quiz scores dropping? That means you need to flip it, um, because whatever you're doing is not working. The second place to look is for the fundamentals in your course. So is there something that your students absolutely positively must know before they move on to the next part of the course or the next lesson? So that's something you want to flip and spend a lot of time and activity on. So the fundamentals is number two. And number three is boredom. (laughs) So if your students are bored, you're seeing them checking out a lot, maybe they're on their phones a lot or they're just not paying attention, then it's time to mix it up and do something new. So if you've never flipped your class before, start by looking at those three places. And then if you've been doing this for a while, you might want to pull back and say, am I doing the right activities in the right places in the course? Or have I kind of gotten into a routine that's not really working anymore? Yeah, so this could easily be a part of your continual... um process of trying to improve your instruction. If you're finding ways that aren't working, why don't you try something new? And then that way you're at least trying to solve a problem. And also you're not wasting your time trying something new in that regard because you know it could be helpful. So that's awesome. 
All right, Barbie, thank you so much for being on the show. And I know you have a, a good website and you've got a lot of great information. So I, I'm sure that many of my listeners are kind of on fire a little bit about this conversation because you've given us some really awesome opportunities to improve their course and actually do some really cool flipped ways of thinking. So uh, would you go ahead and give us a website plug or any social media they can find you on so they can get more information? Sure. So my main website is barbiehoneycut.com um, and that's B-A-R-B-I-H-O-N-E-Y-C-U-T-T.com. I also have a free email course um, that faculty can take. Um, and so you can find that at flipitconsulting.com. And then finally, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and I have a blog. So I'd love to connect with some of your listeners and um, and see what people are doing out there. Well, thank you so much. Again, really helpful, really useful, really relevant information for our listeners. And we appreciate you being on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. I know I enjoyed talking to Barbie and um, she's really knowledgeable about the flip classroom. And I will go ahead and put all those links that she talked about in the show notes on edtechweeklyshow.com. So go ahead there and check that out. Um, and again, you know, I think use that information to maybe just try some different things in your classroom. And uh, I think there can be some good results there. So um, with that, we'll finish for this week's episode and we will see you next time on EdTech Weekly.